We're kind of going to talk about tonight the, uh, what I call the crossover. And um, when I was here last and spoke last, I talked about uh, faith versus sight. Sin is believing. And, 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 and we, we, we talked about where the, the children of Israel were sitting at the Jordan. And at that point, they sent 12 spies, and the 12 spies came back. And two came back with a good report, and 10 came back uh, with a bad report. And it's so funny, on that message, I get so many comments on, on um, pretty much the story I told about me being in first class. And I, I was thinking about that um, when I was preparing for this message, and um, I come to the realization I'm probably not first class material <laughs> as far as flying on a, on a flight. And, and, and one of the things that brought back to my memory um, I was actually in first class, um, and a celebrity happened to be on the flight, and I wanted to um, kind of take a picture, if you will. <laughs> My wife, she, I actually emailed her from the plane, and I said, you'll never believe who was in first class with me. And um, she said, who? I said, Kiefer Sutherland. She said, there's no way. So, of course, she was doing, I need to see this to believe it. So they're going to put a picture up here on the screen of um, <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland in first class, sitting about a seat behind me, and the poor guy's exhausted. And the reason why I say I'm not first class material, because I'm taking a picture like this. So I don't belong in first class. But anyway, uh, as we move forward and, and, and come to where, where we are now uh, in this series, and I, and I am enjoying this series. I hope that you guys are too. Uh, but the children of Israel, 40 years later, have found themselves back uh, on the brink of crossing the Jordan. Uh, and I, what I found uh, really ironic in uh, Joshua chapter 2 is, you know, I, I would think that Joshua learned from the mistakes that Moses had, 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 um, had. Uh, instead of 12 spies, he sent two. Uh, because before, two spies came back with good reports. So he figured, hey, let's go ahead and send two that's going to come back with a good report. The other thing that I saw that he learned, uh, while the spies were in Jericho spying out the land, they actually did not camp. They were, wasn't near the Jordan at that time. Uh, and I, I do believe that the reason for that is if the children of Israel, while they were waiting back to get a report back from the spies and saw that the Jordan was there and realized at this time of the year the Jordan was, was uh, I think they said it normally flows at 100 feet uh, wide. This time it's 10 times that much. So you're looking at an impossible hurdle to get over as they get, you know, God said we're going to give you the, the promised land, but we need to get past this hurdle. So Joshua actually was not camped at that point, um, on the brink of, uh, on the river uh, edge of Jordan. So the spies came back after they hid in the uh, wilderness for three days. He came back and gave a good report to Joshua. And this says that immediately the next morning, Joshua got up and took the children of Israel to the edge of, the, uh, of, of Jordan. And they camped there for three days. And what's fascinating to me, the spies hid for three days. And then they camped for three days. We have a total of six days. Uh, and in that time, Joshua says that um, tomorrow, and we'll get into that a little bit more, 
uh, you will see the power of the Lord displayed. So they started crossing the river after seven days. I want you guys to remember that because that, that to me is significant for tonight. Uh, so the message tonight is about, it's called the crossover. And I believe that as individuals in our lives, we continue to have moments where we're at the, at the brink of the Jordan. There are things that rise in our life that it causes us to uh, turn back. We think it's too hard. Uh, there's things in our lives that is just overwhelming where we might have a family member that gets sick. Uh, God forbid they pass away. And, 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 and we are at, at, the edge of, at the edge of the river trying to decide what we're going to do. So, I, I, and also I think, and this is, this is deep within me, I think as a church, we're at the edge of a Jordan. There's a, pro, there's a promise on the other side of the river that we're getting ready to, to reach as a church as a whole. So there's things where we're getting ready to step into the water and watch God do some work in our lives. So as we get started, we're going to start off at Joshua 3, 1 through 6. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out to Shittim, and they came to the Jordan. And he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there should be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length, and that's probably a little over half a mile, I, I think that's what, what it came out to. And, and uh, there should be, uh, do not come near it in order that you may know the way and shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and went before um, the people. So one thing that jumped out at me first is, is consecrating yourself. When we get to the point where we want God to move in our lives, we get to the point where life itself is just too tough for us. We get to the point, especially as when, when we were non-believers, that it seemed like nothing can solve and quench our thirst except for the Lord. So in the, in the uh, Old Testament, consecrating yourself was very important to the, the, the Jewish people. Uh, there was things that they had to do before um, they, they, they um, um, cleansed themselves, for, if you will. Uh, water was very, very important to, to, to the Jewish people or to people in that time because water was not as, as uh, available to them as it is for us, but also it's just a way of them cleansing themselves. Uh, there was things that the Levitical priests needed to do uh, before they went and entered into the throne room uh, 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 where the Ark of the Covenant was. So, uh, but there's, th- there's a few things here that I have, I have marked out. The first thing you want to do is dedicate yourself. Um, you want to make a conscious effort uh, and a decision to dedicate your soul, mind, heart, and body to God. That means you live, you move, and you have your being in, 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 in God. And he and him in you. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of, we want to say wilderness Christians, because we do have a lot of Christians that are, uh, they believe that Jesus died on the cross. They believe that he rose again, but they kind of leave it right there. 
Though, and, and that's what I like to call uh, wilderness uh, Christians because they don't take it any further. Or as my wife would say, the cereal box Christians. When, when, when we need a little bit more Jesus, we kind of go get him off the shelf, pour him in a bowl, and, and, and use him up. So, um, you know, we need to dedicate ourselves. We've got to be committed to, to what um, he wants us to do. Uh, reflect on why. This is a good one. I hear a lot of times say, well, Lord, if you do this for me, I would. Lord, if you open this door for me, I would. Lord, if you give me this job, I would. Only you and God know what your heart intent is. So we need to examine ourselves to why, why we would be able to, why should we consecrate ourselves? And then repent. This is a good one. Um, and, and, and Pastor Joel has said it many times, repent is, is, is basically turning away or turning back uh, from what you were doing before or turning back from that particular sin. Most people think that when you become a Christian that you shouldn't, you repent it once, you're good, you know, you're good to go. But in that, in, that's not the case um, at all because uh, we, we have to, each day it says repent because, you know, for, for instance, if you look at a woman wrong as, as a man, that's a, something that, that you need to repent from. So each day that we need to repent and, and, and really come to God in sincerity to say, I'm sorry, I want to be different, I want to change. So that's another thing is to dedicate, reflect on why, and repent. Then it says to be baptized. If you were a non-believer, this is uh, something that's really big in the Christian faith is you, you baptize, you get baptized. You go, go down in the old and come up in the new. Uh, but also, if you've already been a seasoned Christian, you also may go through and, and remember why you got baptized. Why was it that I, 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 I baptized? What did that mean to me? And, and once you go back and start remembering that, and start bringing back the promises that he has, he's already given you. So definitely remember, remember why you've been baptized, and then stay committed. You want to stay committed. You know, you want to live. You want to move in God. You want that relationship with God. And that is a big one here. It's, it's, it's having that relationship, having that hunger of wanting more and more and more. So the children of Israel found themselves consecrating themselves or, or sanctifying themselves, setting apart. And, and, and they had those three days and, and, and to be able to really focus on why they, they must consecrate themselves. Um, and... and, and Two of the, um, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua and Caleb, they had went through the wilderness. They had already been there before. So the children of Israel, th these were new people who have not seen this before besides those two. So they, they, they remember what it was, when it was when they were there 40 years ago. But the new people, the new children of Israel, did not. So I think this is very important because uh, when the, they were there, the children of Israel were there the first time, the main thing that they were griping about was what did you do, bring us out here to get ourselves killed? Our children are going to get killed or get captive. You know, so God was like, okay, that's how you want to do it? We'll let you wander 40 more years, and your children will be the one that gets your promise. So I want to remember that. So Joshua 3, 14, 17. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over to Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, 
And it says, now the Jordan was overflowed all its banks throughout this time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jordan. So it says uh, we're coming to the brink of the river. This is, this is very, very key uh, uh, to me because all the rain that we had here in east, north, northeast Texas over the last two years, we've seen what happens when a, a lake gets flooded, a river gets flooded. Uh, not only is it overflowing the banks, but it's also covering the trees. It's covering any brush, anything that, that or, or any rocks. Those things could be hazards to you. So um, earlier in, chap- in chapter 3, I think it was verse 2, where it says, um, do not follow the Ark of the Covenant so close. I think there was two, two parts to that. Uh, the first thing is, he wanted they, 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 it was a warning, because you, you, you didn't just go hang out with the Ark of the Covenant. You can die. Uh, but secondly, uh, God, I believe he wanted to show his power. And there, there, there's uh, very something very interesting to this. Let's see. Johnny, you can come in for a minute. So if Johnny was trying to see this exit sign, and I was in front of him, Johnny's not going to see it. (laughs) (laughs) But if we had a distance, if you step back to the stage, a distance between us, he has a better view of that exit sign. Correct? Thank you, Johnny. So I, I think God really wanted the, the Israel, children of Israel to really see his power. To see the water, when the, when the priest stepped into the water on the, edge of, on the edge of the river, he wanted them to see his power. And, 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 and a, lot of, a lot of the old days, uh, or in the Old Testament, uh, a lot of the things with the Jewish people is seeing is believing. I need to see that to believe it. So that was a way of them being able to see his power. Um, the other thing, too, is the, the water's edge. It says Jordan was flooded this time of year with flooded waters. Uh, there's also flooded bushes, trees, and, and, and rocks. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a tripping hazard. And, and if you, were, you can imagine if someone is coming to the edge of the river and not knowing what's under the water, they, they want to turn back. Turn back. So you think about the Levitical priests at that time. They were the ones as far as being... Um, I w- don't want to say guinea pigs, but they were the ones lead, leading the charge. And so they were able to step in the water and, and, and watch, the water, watch the miracle take place. Now, I want you to, want you to understand that in your own personal life, when you are at the edge of the water, whether it's overflowing, things are just coming at you hard, and you're not sure where, where you know, your, your, your bills are due, you're not sure where the next the check is coming from, and so forth. Uh, God is warning you, to take that step. I said in my last message, uh, where your courage ends, your faith begins. That's huge. We have to really believe that. It's, it's, it's when, when we feel like we can't go any further, this is when God takes over. This is when he comes in and, and, and comes to the rescue. So what is in the middle of the, of, of the Jordan River? And this is, this is something that I, I, when I was studying this and going through that, I mean, I was, I, 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 I was excited. Because there's an underlaying to, to all of this, I believe, that, that God was doing at that time. Um, so when the little Levitical priests made it into the, the midst of the Jordan River, as the waters were, were parted and, and, and there was enough room 
for the people to cross. And we want to think about this. We had about two and a half million um, Israelites trying to cross over at this time. And studies have shown that it takes about three days for that many people to cross over. So, looking at that and, 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 and trying to understand what is in the middle of the, uh, uh, of the, of the river and what it represents, um, I think it's, it, it's, it shows a day of atonement for the Israelites. And here's why. Uh, back in Leviticus, uh, it says the day of atonement was the most solemn, holy day of all Israelites' feasts and festivals, occurring once a year on the tenth day of Teresh, the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. On that day, the high priest would perform an elaborate um, uh, process. He would clean himself. He would wash himself. He would put on um, really, uh, really nice garments. He would he'd get dressed up, and it, and it was a big deal. He had to make sure that when he come into the presence of the Lord, that he was, he was where he needed to be, okay? So he would also take a bull, and the first thing that he would do was sacrifice that bull uh, for his, himself and his family. Once that bull was sacrificed, and this is, this is the cool part, they would bring two goats. He would have two goats in it. He would sacrifice one goat uh, for the sins of the Israelites and sprinkle it uh, on the altar of the Ark of the Covenant. But also that second goat would be taken away after it's been blessed and released in the wilderness as an escape goat to basically be a reminder of God's forgiveness for the Israelites. So with that said, if you look here, when all the nation had finished crossing or passing over to Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people from each tribe of man and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's foot stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in a place where you lodge tonight. To me, that, that, that's, a big, uh, that's a big symbolization uh, 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 of the, 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 the grace that God had on the children of Israel. Uh, they said to take those stones over so they can be a me- memorial. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, something where they can tell their kids about remembering what God did for them that day. Uh, so the 12, the 12 uh, men took it over, and uh, Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here's how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant uh, of the Lord of, of all the earth that's passing over before you into the Jordan. So as the Ark of the Covenant was moving ahead of them, and of course they kept their distance, um, that was basically, I, I believe the Lord was saying, watch me do my work. You can't do this on your own. You need me here. You need me here. And I believe that that is, that is so true today is, is we try so hard in our own daily walk that to, to try to fix it my, ourselves. I'm a fix, I'm a want to fix it myself type of person. My wife wants to talk and tell me everything that's going on, and I want to fix, want to fix it, and she just wants me to shut up. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and I've learned that after 18 years to just listen. But, you know, 
my daughter has, a, has an issue, I want to be able to take, take care of that. Um, you know, here at the church, when we have an issue, I, I want to take care of it. I mean, that's probably why you see me on Sunday mornings, back and forth, trying to take care of certain things that might, might arise here at the church, because I want to fix it. Um, so I have to basically re- rely on the Lord when, when things arise in our lives to, to trust him, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Believe in his promises. So, looking at the 12 stones again, down here in Joshua 4.10, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes, the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And this is key right here. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day, for the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until, until everything was finished and that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. So the 12 men took the stones out. Joshua went and set 12 stones up where the, where the men removed those stones from. This goes back to uh, in Leviticus where they had the two goats. We have one goat as the escape goat and one goat as the sacrificial goat. This is where I, I believe God was really using, uh, showing the Israelites that at this moment, I have forgiven your sins of your parents. I have forgiven the sins of the past generation. And from this moment on, as we move forward and you continue to cross over the Jordan, I'm going to be there with you, and, on, and, and I'm giving you a clean slate. That's, I, when, I, when I read that, I've read that multiple times and, and, and never caught that. But to see that he had set 12 stones up where the priest had stood on solid ground there, inside the, the, the midst of the river, he was giving them their forgiveness. He was giving them their grace of what the past parents have done or the past generations have done. And they were moving, up, moving ahead on a clean slate. So as the children of Israel went on ahead and crossed the Jordan, as soon as the, the Levitical priests had made it out of the, the river, the water had came back together the way, the way it had been flowing before. So there was no doubt. Anybody that was looking at this, they knew that God had done something. They knew that these people couldn't do it on their own. They knew that God was in the midst of this. And the children of Israel didn't have to worry about anything when they went to take the city of Jericho because God had done something for them in the midst of this. I look at the the, the Jordan River as a transition point. You You know, I mentioned a few times about standing at the edge of the river, looking at our circumstances, looking at our problems, looking at what we are dealing with in, in everyday life, and trying to decide, is it worth crossing that line? Is it worth giving God everything that you have? Is it worth everything that you've been through? And absolutely, it's worth it. Because you go on to know what, what happened with the, um, the walls at Jericho and, 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 and how the Lord had blessed them with the land that he had promised generations ago to, to Abraham that he was going to provide that for them. And as we, as we get ready to close tonight, I want you to think about something. 
And look at the Jordan as a, as a transition point. Um, there's things that happen over the, the, the course of the Bible that, that use the Jordan as a transition. Uh, Joshua and the, the, the children of Israel at this time, when they come through, the Spirit of the Lord come, come down, um, sat and rested on the Ark of the Covenant. And his power was displayed there. And then if you look in uh, second, second King, uh, Elijah, when he passed the mantle to Elijah, he used this cloak and struck the river of Jordan, and it split. Basically, he was, given, he was passing the mantle of, the, of pro- prophecy to Elijah at that time. So in our life, you know, the, 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 we, we see that the Spirit, especially in the Old Testament, the Spirit come down, perform, do a, you know, do a miracle, and, and ascend back to heaven. But this is where it got me, really, really, it really hit me hard. In Mark 1, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, when he come up out of the water, the heavens opened up. The Spirit of God came down and rested on him like a dove. The difference between that and the rest of it is the Spirit stayed. The Spirit is within us. His Spirit is dwelling inside of us. And, and, and unlike the children of Israel where they had to rely on someone to go and intervene for them at the Ark of the Covenant, uh, we're able to approach the throne room of grace with, with boldness, as the Bible says. We're able to go and talk to him. We're able to go and, and, and really have that relationship. And this is very important as a Christian. It's when, when you have that relationship with the Father like you've never had before, that's why it's called the comforter. It will, he will be with you. And, and, and I want you guys to, to really think about this as we get ready to, to go in the time of um, uh, prayer. And it's to think about what's your Jordan? What are you standing at the brink of? Uh, as a church, I mentioned earlier, I believe that we as a church are standing at the brink of Jordan. I believe that our breakthrough is coming on the other side of the river. So what we are going to do in the midst of the Jordan River is going to be determined on us. How are we going to accept God's spirit? How are we going to lead God's people at the break of, in the midst of the Jordan?